You are listening to the Crossing Anchor Podcast in Detroit, Michigan. So glad to have you with us today. If this encourages you or helps, please share the word and bless others as well. Let's start with today's content. What's up, everybody? It's Palm Sunday. I love Palm Sunday. It's like one of my favorite Sundays of the year. There's a lot to celebrate. Energy is usually high. People are ecstatic. Uh, I'm just, that worship was incredible. I'm just so excited for Palm Sunday. This is the first Sunday um, of what begins Holy Week. Maybe you've heard that term before. It's just the week leading up to Jesus's death and then resurrection. It all culminates on Easter Sunday, which I cannot wait for. And I really hope to see you in person, if possible, at the Garden Theater at 1030 or 6 next Sunday. It's going to be amazing. And uh, that space is incredible and it's our last time in that space so come and celebrate with us Uh, but i've got a message today that's on my heart if you have a bible you can turn it to luke chapter 19. luke chapter 19 is where we're going to be and as we get there let me just say a brief prayer for us god thank you for the opportunity to be here today even though we aren't in person we're all still gathered together um, around your word around worship and around Jesus and we just are trusting God that you're going to have things that you want to do in our lives today and so God we give you glory and we prepare to receive this message from your word and we pray it in Jesus' name and everybody said amen amen so we're going to look at this story today that is maybe familiar to you but we're going to look at it with um, kind of a fresh perspective and I think that there's a lot in this story that sometimes gets overlooked and doesn't really get talked about. And so I've called today's message, This Hits Different. This Hits Different. This is not going to be your typical Palm Sunday message. We are going to talk about celebration and praise and those things typically associated with Palm Sunday. But when you actually read the story, that's only like one-third of what happened on that day. There's another two-thirds that are also incredibly significant that for whatever reason we just don't talk about as much. And so we're going to be able to focus on those as well today because Palm Sunday was a day of praise, but it was also a day of pain. Praise and pain. Let's look at Luke 19. By the way, if you're new here with us this weekend, so glad to have you. Um, Don't be a stranger. Introduce yourself. Say hi in the comments. We'd love to connect with you. There's also the connect card that you can fill out. We, uh, We are a friendly bunch and we would love to be able to say hi. So this is not just something to watch, but actually to be a part of. We're a church. All right, Luke 19, it says this. And when he had said these things, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that is called Olivet, he sent two of the disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever yet sat. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? You shall say this, the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent away and found it just as he had told them. By the way, when Jesus tells you to do something, as ridiculous as it may seem to you and to everyone else, when you go and do it, you're going to find it just as he said it. I'm just telling you, do what Jesus says and you'll see the results that Jesus wants. And as they were untying the colt, its owners said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, 
Monty Python, anybody? As they rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. And as he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd, if you're in the chat, just say this. I don't know how you type it, but just when you hear Pharisees, just go, boo, boo. So, they're, so, they're such downers. The Pharisees said, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Rebuke them. And he answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. Listen, this is a really incredible story. Maybe you've heard it before, but it's something that we talk about a lot. And one of the central themes is that this is a story about praise. Praise. That's our first point. This is a worship celebration. Much like we've already done here today, there was high energy, there was excitement, there was extravagant praise. It was a ruckus. It was a worship ruckus in the best possible way. People are even throwing their clothes on the ground, which, by the way, I don't suggest getting that crazy. I don't know. Who knows? God's moving. Clothes are going everywhere. It just seems like it might be weird. But, but they, were, they were putting their you know, outer garments on the ground for Jesus to be able to come through with his donkey on. And this is a wild scene. It was a party. And it was totally appropriate. This was appropriate because what was happening here, some people call it the triumphal entry. The reason that they call it that is because this is the kind of celebration that a king would receive, that a dignitary or somebody who was royal would receive when they would come back after a long journey away fighting the enemies of the country and now returning to their home victorious. Everyone would celebrate them and they would be lauded and applauded and everyone would kind of almost worship them. In fact, in this culture, emperors were treated like gods. So in some cases, they would worship these people. So what was happening here for Jesus was exactly what should have happened. Because this is the King of Kings. This is the Lord of Lords. He's coming into his city, Jerusalem. And, and he should be celebrated and praised, but there are some differences. Instead of coming on some you know, big, royal, equestrian steed, Jesus is coming in on a donkey. It's not the kind of animal that somebody who was royalty would have ridden. Also, this wasn't pre-planned. This was kind of spontaneous. There wasn't a lot of forethought put into this. But that's how Jesus wanted it to be in this case because he was showing that he was a humble king. And you know what? Sometimes God loves spontaneous worship. Hello? Sometimes spontaneous worship is the best kind of worship when we just get caught up in the moment and we just give him everything we've got and we can sense him working in the room and we're just going crazy with our celebration to him. I mean, that sounds like a party that I want to be a part of. Listen, church, it's been said, should not be endured. Church should be enjoyed. Church should be a fun place to be. It should be a place that we aren't ashamed to bring our friends to or we feel like it's just going to be something we have to grit our teeth and get through. Church should be something that we look forward to, that we're excited about. It should be this atmosphere of celebration like we see in this passage. 
It should be a party in there, y'all. Like, don't think that this is too much. I think, I think sometimes when people get around those that are really excited about Jesus, they're, they're like a little bit weirded out by it, and they're like, you know what, just, can, you just, can you just tone it down a little bit? Like, do we really need to get that crazy? Do we really need to get that loud? Do we really need to turn up the music that much? And, and, and people get almost offended by our excitement about Jesus. And I'm here to tell you, like, we're not ashamed of that at all. We're going to turn the music up louder. We're going to let the volume go up. We're going to praise Him. Because unlike the things that we do get excited about and get crazy about that are like college football and college basketball, sorry, Michigan State, and, and, and the things that we do get wild about, like our favorite politician or our favorite musician, and we just go crazy at these concerts. Unlike those things, here is the one who's actually saved our souls. Here is the one who's actually given us life. Here is the one who's actually brought us from death and put us into life, brought us from darkness and put us into light. Here is the one who's changed the entire trajectory of everything about us. I think he deserves some loud praise, y'all. I, I don't think that we're in danger of getting too excited about him. I, I think that oftentimes it's the opposite. There's only two kinds of people in this story. There's the people who are worshiping Jesus with everything they've got and going crazy. And then there's the people who are in the corner upset and saying, can you just tone it down a little bit? This is a little out of hand. And so it's up to you. Which one do you want to be? You want to be the wild, celebratory Jesus worshiper? Or do you want to be the, the prude with your arms crossed, judging everyone else and upset at the volume of our worship. I mean, come on. Can we not get a little excited about this one who's saved us? Can we not get a little excited about this one who gave us hope? About the one who rescued our family? About the one who gave us purpose? About the one who, who spoke and our lives changed forever about the one who showed us what it means to truly be loved, who changed the entire trajectory of our lives. Can't we get just a little excited about worshiping him? Jesus doesn't tell these people to calm down. Far from it. He doesn't say, oh yeah, thank, thank you, Pharisees. Thank you so much, Pharisees. I did, I, I, I'm actually a little hard of hearing. I didn't even know it was getting so loud in here. Like, let me, let me go over and I'll just ask them to calm down. I'm so sorry. I didn't realize that there was a curfew. I didn't, I didn't know that we were breaking the, you know, the volume limit. No, no, no. Jesus tells them that his response is classic. He says, if they did not praise me, the rocks would cry out. Like the whole universe, we talked about this last week, is about Jesus. It's created for Jesus. It's created by Jesus. And so the entire universe wants to sing the song of God's praise. The entire universe wants to be caught up in the worship of the one that created it. That's like 
its default. That's what it was made to do. The entire universe is trying to scream the name of one person, Jesus. And so Jesus tells these Pharisees, if these guys didn't praise me, then the very rocks that I created would have cried out. Because creation was created to praise. You and I were made to worship. And when the very one who life is all about is right in front of you, then you have to have a response. And so Jesus says, maybe, maybe you didn't realize it. Maybe you didn't understand what was happening here, but if you did, then you would have gotten down on your knees and you would have worshipped as well. It was almost like this moment had to happen because Jesus was there, the ruler of the universe. Listen, it's time for us to pump up the praise. Pump it up. Let's make this music louder. Anybody? Let's, let's turn the volume up on our praise. Well, I wish the story ended there because that's a really good story. Makes me excited about praising Jesus. But it doesn't end there. I told you at the beginning that this isn't just a story about praise, but it's also a story about pain. Verse 41 says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Man, like I said, I just wish that we could only talk about praise, but we'd be missing a really critical piece of this story. I think we have a tendency to not look as deeply at the hard parts of the Bible, and we just want to talk about the celebrating, but we don't want to talk about the mourning afterwards. We, we want to talk about Easter, and we want to talk about the resurrection, but we don't want to talk about Good Friday and the crucifixion. We want to talk about the praise, but we don't want to talk about the pain. But we can't skip over these. What you need to know about Jesus here is that Jesus is fully God, but Jesus is also fully man. He relates to us. He understands what we go through. He understands how we feel. And Jesus had a moment here where he broke down in emotion. He was overcome, and he wept. Have you ever had a moment like that? Where you're just so overcome with grief or with sadness or with whatever has happened that all you can do is just weep. That's what happened with Jesus. Apparently he wasn't all too happy with his party. Because listen, these people... They praised God and they worshipped Him and they said, blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. But just a few days later, those people would also shout to crucify Him. 
And it's crazy to think, how can this happen in such a quick amount of time? How can you go from praising God to literally killing God? And it's because our hearts are sinful and we're wicked. And we do things that we shouldn't do and, and we're broken and we make decisions that we wouldn't wish we would have made once we get the correct perspective. And Jesus knew that this was going to happen in just a few days, so it's hard for him to be like on this mountaintop when he knows what's coming just a little bit down the road. The, the pain that Jesus was experiencing here was pain from a couple of things. One was rejection. Like Jesus' triumphal entry, it was only temporary because in just a few days he was going to be rejected. And I don't know if you know the feeling of being rejected, but it's one of the worst feelings. Like when you love someone so much and that love is not returned, that's one of the hardest things to go through. And Jesus has so much love for people, like more love than you could ever imagine, more love than we're capable of. He's filled with love. He is love. And he loves people eternally and perfectly. And then when that is rejected, I can only imagine the pain must be that much worse. Because when you truly love somebody, you, you don't just love them because of what they can do for you. You love them and you want the best for them. And so Jesus is experiencing the pain of personal rejection. And, and, and if you experience that pain, you know what I'm talking about. Even if it's on a smaller scale or, you know, like somebody, as silly as it might sound, somebody doesn't like your Instagram. Somebody doesn't comment on your post. Somebody doesn't invite you to their party. Somebody doesn't like you like you like them. All of those are smaller versions of the pain of rejection. And Jesus understands that. So, he's feeling that pain, but he's also feeling the pain of what he knows is going to come upon these people because they rejected him. Listen, Jesus has the best plans in mind for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, God says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. And he has these great plans for us, but he also knows what will happen to us if we reject him. And... In this case, what was going to happen to Jerusalem was very, um, just plainly, they were going to be destroyed. The city was going to be torn apart. People were actually going to die. And Jesus knew this was coming. And he saw this and his pain was because he knew they were going to go through this. When you reject Jesus, the pain he experiences for you is because he knows what's on the other side of that rejection for you. He knows what will be the, the result of that rejection. And he doesn't want that to happen to you. You know, we're a church that we preach God's word and we don't shy away from things that it says that maybe are hard or controversial because we want to love people enough to tell them the truth. And the Bible says that if we reject God, 
and His perfect love and goodness for us. That the consequence of that, the reality of that, is that we're going to be in a place called hell. And I don't say that with any excitement in my heart at all. I think it was D.L. Moody who said, if somebody can preach about hell without tears in their eyes, then they shouldn't be preaching about it. And, and the reason that that's going to happen is not because God is bad or because God is vindictive or God is mean. It's the exact opposite. It's because we reject Him. It's because we make the decision that results in that. It's not because of Him. It's because we've made that choice. And so God doesn't want that to happen to any of us. And as we reject Him, it causes pain to Him. And I wonder today if, if you're willing to say, I don't want to reject Jesus. I don't want to even be like those people who praised Him one moment and rejected Him the next because God knows how many people there are in our churches who are jumping up to the rafters on Sunday morning but are living a life that looks anything like that from Monday through Saturday. Like he doesn't just want your praise. He wants that praise, but he wants your life. So let's not be like these people who praise Jesus one moment, who reject him the next, because there is a consequence for that. And today, if you just cry out to God and say, God, forgive me, God, save me. He loves to give grace and mercy and peace, and he will. All you have to do is just say, come into my life and change me. Forgive me and give me a brand new start. And if you'll do that today, he will come into your life and change you and give you a brand new start. The thing about this church is, you know, we're not trying to pull people to our church. We're trying to get people to experience Jesus because our church doesn't change anybody's life. But Jesus does. If you meet him, your life will change forever. And so today, if you want to make that decision to follow him, then there's a connect card that's going to a link that's going to come up on the screen. I want you to fill that out. And one of the options is say, to say, I'm making a fresh start with Jesus. And we ask you to do that, uh, not so we can track numbers, but because we want to be able to encourage you. We want to be able to pray for you. We want to be able to help you along in this new journey. So do that today. Don't hesitate. Don't wait. Today, the Bible says, is the day of salvation. We talked last week about how Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. You know how he got there? It was... It was through this, because that scripture says that the one who was rejected has become the cornerstone. So Jesus rose from the dead after his rejection, and now he lives and offers hope to all of us. Well, I'm just going to close uh, with one last point here, because I told you that this was only like, you know, one third of the story. There is one more thing that happens, and it's also kind of intense, but it doesn't get talked about on Palm Sunday. So after this, it says, and he entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and the scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, but they did not find anything they could do for all the people were hanging on his words. One other part that doesn't get talked about much in Palm Sunday is this, Jesus on a rage. Like, do you, when you think of Jesus, do you ever think of him upset? Don't, don't you think of him as like very calm, very serene, like just kind of standing there, his hair maybe blowing in the wind, and he's 
petting a sheep or, or at least he's like teaching a crowd and he's just being very much like a spiritual guru. We don't ever think of him being super intense and, and, and even angry. That's not how we associate the feelings that we have to Jesus. But Jesus comes into this scene at this temple and he gets ticked off. He is angry. He is frustrated. He is upset. But it's for all the right reasons. There's a time to get upset, by the way. There's a time to get angry. When people are treated with injustice, it's okay to be angry about that. When, when people are human, sorry, sex trafficked, when there's human trafficking happening in the world, it's okay to be upset about that and angry about that. When people are tortured and kids are put into war in Africa, it's okay to be upset about that. There are things that anger the heart of God because his anger is in direct proportion to his love. He loves us so much that he hates the things that destroy us. You can't have one without the other. And so he comes to this temple and he is upset because he says, my house shall be a house of prayer. It was supposed to be a place where people could come from all over the world. Jerusalem was supposed to be a city on a hill that the entire world could come to and get a picture of what God was like. That they could get a reprieve from their harsh religious system and from their mean and upset gods and they could actually come and experience the true God. That was the point of having this temple. It was supposed to be a house of prayer for all nations. And what these people were doing is they were making it hard to get to God. These people were putting up barricades in the way of people coming and meeting God. These people were misrepresenting God's heart. And what they were saying at the outside of the temple was that you've got to pay your way to get in here. And Jesus says, no, no, no. And I wish I could just throw this pub table over but my iPad would break. Because I want to demonstrate to you that God is not like that at all. God doesn't say, you got to pay your way. you got to make sure that you spend enough money so that I'm happy with you, so that you can make the appropriate sacrifice, so that blah, blah, blah. No, Jesus says, I made a way for you. You can come because I'm the sacrifice. You can come because I love you. There's not anything in the way of me and you unless you just hold on to the things that keep you from me. But other than that, there will be nothing between you and I. See, God's house, it's supposed to be a house of prayer. It's supposed to be a house of healing. It's supposed to be a place where you can actually know him and experience him and your life can be changed. And when people try to distort that and twist that and make it into something that it's not supposed to be, my goodness, that upsets me too. Man, I don't want to be a church that takes advantage of people. I don't want to be a, a church that misrepresents the name of Jesus, that gives him a bad name. We've had too much of that. We have a whole generation of people who are extremely skeptical about the church because of things like this. And we've got entire industries. I'm a pastor. I get to see what people try to charge the church sometimes for stuff. We've got entire industries that are trying to take advantage of the church, much like these people were taking advantage in the marketplace. But God isn't going to stand for that. There was pain, or sorry, there was praise, and then there was pain, and then there's a purity. That's how we're going to close today. God wants the church to be pure. 
God wants anybody from anywhere to be able to come to his house and experience him and to not have unnecessary rules and regulations and things put up to get in the way. And if we've got to turn some tables over, we will. And if Jesus has to turn some tables over, he will. Because Jesus loves people. That's what Palm Sunday is all about. It's about wild celebration and praise. But it's also about demonstrating God's heart for people through pain and purity. I've already given an opportunity for you to give your life to Jesus today. And I'll leave that there. That opportunity is always there for you anytime you want it. But as we close today, I just want us to remember these things and say, God, help us be a church that is a house of prayer for all people. Help us be a church that isn't known by what we're against, but by what we're for. Help us be a church that stands with those who are hurting. And God, help us be people who proclaim your truth with love and grace. We love you. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks so much for joining us today. And uh, I know this is a little bit more of an intense message, but next week we're giving a message called Hope is Found. And it's all about the resurrection and Easter Sunday. And I hope to see you there in person or we'll have online as well. But either way, we hope you can join us. And uh, God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Cross and Anchor podcast from Detroit, Michigan. Make sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcast from and share this with others. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next week. And let's live our lives on purpose to 